0: Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air as the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of real ghost stories online. The very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of real ghost stories online to listen to in exchange for your support.
1: It's only $5 a month and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com.
0: Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus we'll give you access to All of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs. More than 30 full episodes.
1: Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air.
0: Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, Extra Podcast Person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you.
2: Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real
0: Ghost Stories Online. And on tonight's episode, while taking a photo of a beautiful sunrise, a listener's friend captures something more. A mine that's been plagued by disasters now seems to have another problem on its hands, and a father and daughter visiting one evening discover they have something peculiar in common. Also, could an antique gift from a friend hold more than meets the eye? Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you once again. Hello. Hi. So is this a story where it kind of also reconfirmed your... uh, your fear of antiquing?
1: Yes, and I hate that because I loved antique.
0: What was the the coolest antique you ever actually got at an antique store when you when, when you were actively antiquing?
1: Oh gosh, that's a hard one. Um, probably one of my pocket watches. Yeah, yeah, which I don't have
0: anymore. <laughs> sure. What about like larger items? Anything, any any furniture, anything like that that you ever got that was just like really neat?
1: I had an old upright piano from the very early 1900s. I think the inner workings said 1901 on it. Oh, wow. But that was a find my dad brought home from a thrift store. So I didn't actually find it an antiquing.
0: Sure. So it even, it, that's interesting. I mean, thrift stores, I haven't been in a thrift store in a long time, mm-hmm. but you can actually find some really neat items in them. And sometimes it's an antique. Yeah, it, it, it's sometimes people don't even realize you know what they're what's going on into those stores, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and sometimes you can find things like that, like Ataris.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I I look back on uh, on some of those things because it's funny now going to an antique store, we'll find uh, toys from our childhood, like an Atari or something of that nature. And I remember those being in thrift stores mm-hmm. as a kid, and I always like oh neat. And now whenever we if, if we go into a thrift store, which hasn't been that often. I, I always kind of like go over to the areas where they used to have those things looking for them. It's like, oh, yes, it's not 1992 anymore either. So no. they're probably not going to be here. <laughs> but uh, it's just kind of fun to uh, to see what you can find in those places. So uh, I love that. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. I'm trying to think of the most interesting thing I've ever gotten at an antique store. <sighs> you know, I, I don't I don't know if this is the answer or not, but it's what comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, something I'd always wanted for a long time, and I finally got one. And that's this railroad crossing sign that we have here in the studio. Yeah. And I As a child, I was fascinated with trains. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted a railroad crossing sign. And my dad made me one out of wood, and I would play with it in the driveway and ride my bike around. But I always thought, oh, someday I'm going to get a railroad crossing sign. that we found one, and it's all shot up with, you know. Oh, yeah. I it's mean, horrible. It's cool, though. It has so much character to it. But now it's just kind of on our wall. But uh, I, don't know. I don't know if that's the coolest thing. Eh, that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> that's what you got. Uh, and, and I can't say I've ever gotten anything that I felt was actually haunted. You? No. Any weird vibes off of anything no. after the purchase? Uh-uh. What would you do if you purchased something? And then after the purchase, you started getting the vibe.
1: I would try and rehome it very quickly. Yeah.
0: You wouldn't, you wouldn't just see what would happen? No. Just, it's out the door? Yeah. Yeah. See, I would not tell you. And then I'm kidding. You you would sense it before I would. Exactly. That's That's what I was going to say. Kristen writes in our first story of the night. This experience happened to my two older sisters. We lived in a new house that had three bedrooms. We lived there for like a year or two, and then we had a piano given to us by my sister's friend. Ever since we got the piano, really weird stuff started happening. This was a very old piano that was built in the early 1900s. One night, my mom was doing the dishes, and all of a sudden, she hears a piano key being played. No one was in the room where the piano was. My mom was so terrified, she got rid of it the very next day. Unfortunately, something stuck around. My two older sisters shared a room, and I and my third older sister shared another bedroom. One night, we were all getting ready for bed. My sisters were starting to doze off, and then all of a sudden, they heard whistling. They described it sounded like an old Western tune. They both thought it was each other, but they swore they weren't whistling. They don't even know how to whistle for some reason. They both imagined the same person whistling they both described the same person it was a cowboy wearing a faded blue long sleeve shirt a brown vest brown pants boots and a black cowboy hat both of my sisters freaked out and didn't sleep in their room for a couple of nights after that my sisters slept in their room again my two older sisters were falling asleep and they heard the whistling again then out of nowhere my sisters heard a loud bang And this banging was above their closet door that sounded like a staple gun. My sisters said they were both too afraid to get up and turn on the light, but they eventually got the courage to turn it on. What they found was several little dents above the closet door and several tiny BB gun-like bullets on the carpet below the indents. My sisters freaked out. I remember wondering what was going on. I was too afraid to see what happened. So I and all three of my older sisters slept in my room for the next couple of months. I saw the BB bullets myself. They were physically there. I was too afraid to touch them, though. When we entered the room again, they vanished. Very interesting story. A ghost BB gun. Do you think the, uh, the BBs would have actually held any sort of Power or any sort of, you know, paranormal, I guess, properties. That's that's what I kind of wonder about that. The fact that they vanished. It it, it kind of leads you to, to wonder about some of the the other stories where there's paranormal, you know, residue or things like flies and things of that nature that are just there and they're infesting an area. And then suddenly they're gone when you go back and revisit the area. If you were to actually have captured one or picked up, in this case, a BB, what would have happened to it? Let's say you got the BB, you put it into a case, you, you took it with you to the other room, would it also vanish as well? Or was the fact that it was in that room that it vanished? Or were they never there at all? Was this just something that they were seeing? And then it went away. We talked about that before, how some things just kind of present themselves to some people and not to others. And then they just go away. You know, it, it's becoming a, a, a product of the, not the imagination, but the, the vision of those that the entity wants to be seen by. Know, interesting, uh, interesting thought process there. 855 853 4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. To share your real ghost story with us, we would love to hear it. Christine writes in, hi, I have a few experiences in my life, but ghosts and paranormal weren't things that really were discussed when I was growing up except for fun at Halloween. However, my husband comes from a rather superstitious family. At first, I just thought they were a bit extreme in their beliefs. That is until I had my first experience with them. I went with my newborn daughter at the time to visit my in-laws. They were in Mexico, and my husband had stayed home to visit. It was going well until the second to last night. I woke to feed my daughter what I believe was just maybe an hour before dawn. As I lie there feeding my baby, I hear some strange noises outside. It was unlike any noise I had ever heard before. It was almost song-like. It seemed to be real close and then far away. What I imagined seemed impossible for any human to make that much distance in such a short amount of time. Just as I started to feel a little freaked out, I could see the sun starting to come up and easily fell back to sleep. Later that day, I asked my sister-in-law about it to see if she knew what it was, and she said she didn't, but if I heard it again to wake her up. So sure enough, again that night, I heard the noise or song again. I woke my sister-in-law up as she had requested. She came into the room where I was sleeping and looked rather perplexed. At first, I wasn't sure she even could hear it. After a few minutes, she told me that it was an animal. I got the feeling she was just telling me that, so I wouldn't be frightened. The next time I spoke to her after that visit was over, she confessed that she didn't know what it was. I've been back many times since then and have never heard it again. I love your show and only recently found it. I'm listening to the old shows now. I'm writing some more stories in the future. Interesting, interesting story. Thank you for writing that in. and uh, and sharing that story with us. It's always disturbing when you have a a sound that can't be explained because it can go so many ways. Sounds are so interesting, especially, I mean, I remember doing like a radio contest years ago where the contest would uh, be like a name that sound type thing. And it's amazing what people will guess for what you would think to be a very obvious sound if you will it's funny you'll you'll play the sound effect back and you think all right they're gonna they're gonna get this like one of the first five callers is going to get this and that's usually a pretty good thing for a guessing radio contest but some of those would go on for like hours and nobody would get it and you're sitting there how do you not understand this but it's such an implied thing where if if you know what it is or if you're it suggested what it is The mind just kind of goes there. It's like, oh, this is obviously what it is. So when you have something that's somewhat paranormal going on, and there's simply a suggestion as to what it might be, or if your mind is going to the paranormal and thinking, this is this or that, and it's something not so great, something kind of dark, um, it's interesting how it can take on almost a life of its own when sometimes it may just be a mouse or something. It's just crazy what uh, what you can uh, pick up in your mind as far as uh, what a, a, an unidentified sound would be without actually uh, knowing uh, the the absolute certainty of what it is. 855 853 4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another letter. This one comes into us from Uchi.
1: I, I'm not sure.
0: It says Uchi. Good luck pronouncing that one, Tony. U C H E. Uchi Uchi. You shy?
1: It's you? I thought it was O. No, you. U C H E. I don't know.
0: You shy.
1: We apologize.
0: I'm to trying to come up with all these variations on it. Don't do that. Okay. I'm going to go with Uchi. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Hey, Tony and Jenny, love your show. I'm a first time writer. I have a story for you that happened to my sister and her boyfriend a few weeks ago. I should probably add that they are both skeptics as well, but I'm very far from it. She and her boyfriend lived just outside of Boston, Massachusetts by a beach. My sister's boyfriend awoke one morning early for work and looked out the window to see an exceptional sunrise over the water. He then took out his camera to snap a picture, but noticed something particularly strange. He noticed a man in a white sweatsuit jogging down the street while looking through his camera lens, but when he just used his naked eye, there was absolutely no one there. He immediately woke up my sister to show her, and she was equally taken aback. There was no explanation besides the obvious. It was a ghost. They took a picture of it, which they wish to keep personal for now. The picture clearly shows a misty form of a person jogging, but it is definitely not an actual person. It also shows some type of portal behind them in which they came out of. Hopefully, she will let me upload the picture soon. But I can say for sure... They are now believers in the paranormal. I always knew that electronic devices can pick up otherworldly things that our eyes or ears can't. There some strange occurrences that had happened to me and some info I can give you from my experiences with, with a legitimate psychic medium. But I'll save that for next time. Also, before I go, I wanted to uh, to know your and Jenny's opinion about extraterrestrials and their involvement with paranormal activities. I've done some extensive research on the subject, and many of the occurrences I listen to on this show seem like it could be E.T. related. The spiritual and or technological leap some of these beings have on us is unfathomable. Thanks for the great show and hope it makes it to the air.
1: I don't know enough about UFOs and extraterrestrials or anything like that to even begin to consider, you know how much paranormal is attributed to that.
0: And I know there's a lot of people out there who, who can, you know, speak to that much better than us. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that I really, I don't look into. I don't study much. My interest is ghosts and I'm not in any way dismissing it. Sure. I, I suppose there probably could be. I just, I would not be the one that's going to be able to pick it out going, oh, this one might be an ET. But uh, if you'd like to share some of your uh, opinions on the specifics and what you're referring to, uh, on some specific stories, I'd be happy to talk about it on the air. Sure. Um, it's just, yeah, you know, we, we have a show about ghosts, and I, I, I like that. But it, that, that's true. I mean, it's one of those things where it could very likely intersect in some places. So it's interesting to have someone who know, has the knowledge that's willing to, to share it. So I'd love to hear that if, if you got it.
1: I think it's very interesting they were only able to see the ghost through the camera.
0: Uh, that's something that I've always wondered about. Mm-hmm. It's... it's um It's in line with that EVP um, recorder that I've talked about for a long time that some people say kind of exists or does exist or whatnot, where essentially, uh, here's the the prospects of the EVP recorder. And it goes back really to, in my mind, an old school reel-to-reel, which the way that a reel-to-reel records, if you have your headphones plugged into a reel-to-reel machine and you are talking into this microphone right now, you would hear yourself on the reel-to-reel machine approximately like 0.5 seconds after you spoke. Okay. Long enough to totally screw you up mm-hmm. if you were trying to talk. It's a, sm- it's a small delay. But that being said, you are hearing what's going across the tape.
1: So you theoretically could almost have a conversation.
0: Yes. And that's what I thought would be a very interesting EVP device is not just an EVP recorder which a lot of them you plug into and you are you're not hearing what the tape is picking up or the the data is picking up I mean they're not really using tapes man much anymore it's it's an actual it's data you know it's it's being picked up as an mp3 or a wave or something like that but you're not hearing the wave you're hearing the audio coming in okay not what's actually captured you go back and listen to that capture it's going to sound slightly different than what you're hearing just through your headphones. I mean, as we're listening to this show right now doing it, what's what's being recorded, if we were to listen back to this, it's going to sound slightly different than what we're hearing just live through our microphones. Okay. Um, it's just the way it, the capture works. Um, so I always wondered that same theory about a video capture device too. If okay. you could capture and essentially view back what has already been recorded in approximately, you know, literally milliseconds after it's been recorded. So you're not viewing the live feed coming in. You're viewing what the device has captured, and it's playing it back as instantly as it can for you to then interact with it. So I, I don't know if that if that device was doing that. I'm wondering that, or if you even need that in some cases, if just the fact that there's the... It's being captured by, you know, an electric eye. And that in itself is enough to to pick up whatever is out there.
1: But is it the delay or is it that EVPs are inaudible to human ears and that's why we have to have recording device to get them?
0: Well, the thing is, EVPs, they're pretty audible when you pick them up. You're not really doing a whole, I mean, you can filter things, you can... Certainly take an EVP audio that you find on a tape and amplify it and filter it down and try and get things out of it. But it would still be an audible piece. It's not like it's hidden completely where it's like, oh, let's examine this and somehow pull it out of dead air. Mm-hmm. It's going to be noticeable as a sound wave.
1: No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. But what I'm saying is, is it's obviously with the real to real machine the, sure. de- the delay is what allows you to interact because you're hearing immediate feedback. Sure. But you have to have some kind of recording device to even hear the response. I yeah. mean, the sound waves are there. It's just not something, if you spoke out in a room, you're not going to hear the voice back most likely. Yeah. You have to have the recording device. So it's not so much the delay, it's the fact that you have to be able to have something that can pick up that frequency.
0: That's what I'm wondering.
1: So you are alluding to the delay between, you know, the, the film and the naked eye. And I'm thinking it's probably not so much the delay more so as maybe
0: the device itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering because that was my thought for a long time was the delay. I thought the delay was what was making it show up. Okay. Is the fact that it's capturing something that's not being captured just on the device. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. If if it, it's like just the device itself that's able to pick it up.
1: See, I'm thinking it's more so just the device and not the delay.
0: According to this story with the video, that would be the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, is if the device is functioning how I'm thinking it's functioning. Sure. So that's really interesting. I, it makes me wonder if, um, like, you know, walking through an area, if you would see more orbs and things of that nature looking through a device than you would... Just with the naked eye. Would that pick it up instantaneously? Yeah. I don't know. In order to see them. I mean, and here's a thought. What if there was a device that, that was invented that literally This kind of goes ghostbustery, but uh, I'm thinking of the goggles. Okay. But the goggles would be essentially the electronic device to... You know, it would be like the, the vision on a, a camera. Essentially, you're seeing it. So it's electronic vision you're seeing. It's not like just through a lens. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a screen in front of you. But it's designed so wherever you move your head. It's like a virtual reality, even though you are in reality. And it's, it's just feeding you reality around you so you don't run into a wall. But it's allowing you then to see the electronic feed of what's around you. And then also pick up the audio. So you have an audible aspect of it that goes into your ears. And you're also hearing any... EVPs at the same time. Okay, makes sense. Sure. <laughs> I think that would be interesting for a ghost hunt.
1: Yeah, yeah, it would.
0: And maybe something like that already exists.
1: I don't know. I don't get into the techiness side of the paranormal at all. I, I just, d- I just like the story.
0: I don't either. I'm just wondering, you know, if that could help in seeing or hearing some of these things. Yeah. To verify a little bit more. I don't know. I come up with all these bizarre ideas, and then somebody goes, oh, I got one of those. Got it last week on eBay. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's so much for that. <laughs> 855-853-4802. That's our uh, phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Another letter. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Love your show. Still behind with listening, so don't know if this has been brought up in uh, more recent episodes, but I want to start off by saying my mom grew up partly in Mexico, and she's seen ghosts on several occasions. Well, anyhow, since listening to your show, I've kind of made some observations. I've noticed that the sensitivity to supernatural, I think, is definitely genetic, but it seems to come from the mother. Anyway, it's just something I noticed. Well, with that being said, I too have grown up having many experiences with ghosts and spirit encounters, but not just me, but also my two sisters and one cousin on my mom's side. I don't want to make this long, so I'll just tell you about one of my many experiences. The house I live in now with my husband was a house I previously lived in with my parents, siblings, and nephews. Long story on that situation, nothing to do with supernatural, but when my husband and I were dating, I would at many times spend the night at his apartment and would return home to get ready for work around 4 a.m., which is the time he left for work also. My younger sister would love sleeping on the couch with the TV on, Don't know really why, but on several occasions, I'd go lay down on the other couch with her as the door would wake her up. We wouldn't talk. We would just kind of be in the silence watching TV that was uh, always low since we, we didn't want to wake anyone else. Well, every morning, for the most part, we would hear footsteps of kids running down the hallway. The first time I heard it, I went to check since I thought it was one of my older sister's kids. No one there. My sister said, what are you doing? I said, did you hear that? She answered very calmly, oh, what, the footsteps? I said, yeah. She said, again, very calmly and sleepily, oh, yeah, that's just a little boy. He does that almost every morning. Knowing about the little boy, I just turned the hallway light off again and went back to the couch. That's pretty much it on that incident. But I did want to clarify something you mentioned on a show about uh, construction, making things worse or disturbing the spirits. Since then... My husband and I have actually remodeled this house, and I do mean the whole house. New drywall, moved walls around to fit our lifestyle, and actually, I haven't heard anything since.
1: Then maybe he was, the little boy, was attached to something that was removed.
0: That's, yeah, an interesting thought.
1: Because most of the time it stirs it up. Nine times out of ten, it stirs it up unless you actually remove something that's... What they're attached to, and then they're mm-hmm. out,
0: and they're not uh, going away. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. And and uh, talking about, uh, I was talking about this the other day with somebody about uh, objects, and uh, can just ways to get rid of a haunting, uh-huh. if you will, um, and and there's you know it, sometimes it, it 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 can be overthought, you know it's like well. We need to cleanse. We need to do this. We need to do that. And I said, well, what? Did just can you just get rid of the object? You know, what if it's, you know, a bunk bed? What if it's whatever, you know? Sure. Insert object here. Can that solve it? Or is the spirit that's infesting the house going to stick around if it was brought in with another object? In most cases, if it is an object thing, object gone, they're gone too. Yeah. They're not necessarily going to stick around. In some cases, though, the object can introduce it to the house. And like termites, essentially infest the house.
1: That was what happened in our first story, where the yeah. piano brought something in.
0: Mm-hmm. And then it's not just a matter of getting rid of the object at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. It's like mold.
1: Yeah, it kind of is. And it, once you get too much of it, you have to start all over. And it's
0: a lot of fixing to get it get it taken care of. Yeah. yeah. 855-853-4802. That's our number, Jeremy, in Australia. Hi, I'll start by saying this experience is not mine personally, but uh, one from a place I worked at. Some background is needed first. This happened at a coal mine in Queensland, Australia. Here's an idea. What do you think? Should I start doing accents for where the callers are from when I'm reading the story?
1: Absolutely not, because that (laughs) would be highly offensive because you can't do many accents very well. I
0: can't do an accent to save my life. No, No. it's awful. Uh, Yeah. Just for one show, just for the... No. Okay. no. maybe, what about like April Fool's? Here's our new thing.
1: (laughs) You just put a warning out. This may be extremely offensive.
0: And I'm not trying to be offensive. But you will be. Yeah, I just like, this is not how we talk. You're right, it's not. It's just how how bad I am at trying to... It's like
1: when you make fun of my accent. I hate
0: that. I'm not good at that.
1: You do such a horrible job. You'll take something I just said, Uh and you'll say it with the most hideous twang. And I just want to smack you.
0: <laughs> and you do sometimes.
1: The matter I get, the more it comes out.
0: And sometimes I'm in the corner I,
1: I don't hit you. <laughs> I've never hit I'm you. I'm kidding.
0: You know, I just stabbed. Now, <laughs> I'm kidding. Now, uh, this mine has a devastating past with three major disasters resulting in the loss of around 40 men in total, all from underground explosions be a scary place to work you think i can't imagine you know like oh well only 40 people have died here
1: i'm afraid to go in the salt mine in kansas let alone yeah. a working coal mine
0: well i am now too you brought up the point of oh there's a lot of earthquakes around here recently like yeah you're right there is are they not going to the area that uh, has you know uh, way underground and...
1: sorry hon you will never outworry me
0: no you're right but you have that's a good cautionary one yeah. That's one where I'm like, yeah, I've been down there once. I've seen it. It's not all that exciting. I'm good. So, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, if there's a nuclear explosion, that's where we should go.
1: Yeah. I think half the population of Kansas will do that.
0: That's, that's true. We need to find a silo somewhere and make that into a new studio. Let's just read. <laughs> they sell for, like, not that bad because nobody wants them.
1: God, here we go. Let's just read.
0: If my history is correct, the first was around 1975, followed by another in 85, the last in 1994. Due to the unstable environment, it was impossible to recover the bodies. The mine no longer operates as an underground mine and now operates as an open cut. What's an open cut?
1: It's more of a pit type. Okay. You know, kind of like you see, you almost see some of the quarries like that. Oh, okay. So it's not completely enclosed. It's open.
0: Open cut with a lot of dead people in it. It's kind of like an operating graveyard. No. They didn't get him out.
1: I know they didn't get him out.
0: Yeah. The main open cut pit is situated at the site of the 85th and 94 explosions, uh, meaning operations are quite close to the uh, uh, embalmed men. Not embalmed. What is this? Entombed. Entombed men. Where's your glasses? <laughs> I think that I have sunglasses in this room, and my other glasses are in the other room. I forgot to bring them in. Okay. So, there you go. I could wear sunglasses all night if you'd like. That'll help. I wear my sunglasses. Now at the encounter, one night a dozer operator was working around the main pit on his own when, uh, as he claims, a man dressed in blue overalls, hard hat, and very bright cap lamp jumped onto the bonnet of his dozer and uh, stared him in the face, blinding his eyes before disappearing. The operator shit his pants and became a nervous wreck. He got on the mine radio and called an emergency, not knowing what the hell was going on. When the emergency response team reached the operator, he was a mess. He later told them what had happened and was, as you can imagine, told he was seeing things that weren't there. Soon after, the man quit his high-paying job and left. It was all too much for him. His description of the man was typical attire for underground miners of years past and nothing like what they make us wear today. I'm convinced what he saw was real. And with the history of this mine, I'm not at all surprised. You can Google more on mine disasters and have a look at some of this info in the past. Love the show. Down Under, you guys are great. Toss another shrimp on the Barbie.
1: Wow. I think you said that one time. Did I? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like, it's such a stereotypical thing to say.
1: That's why they wrote it. Like, let's go to
0: Outback. (laughs) Do they have Outbacks there? Didn't I ask that question once? I think somebody answered. I think they do. I don't know. That's sad.
1: Okay. One of two things. Either somebody was pulling a prank. Yeah. You know, and doing that. Or it was a legitimate haunting. And the reason I'm wondering is Mm -hmm. because that would take an awful lot of energy to manifest with that bright of a light
0: that's true i'm what i'm wondering is how blinding it was Mm -hmm. um you know is this i mean it's one thing i mean to to take the description of what someone says too literal Mm -hmm. sometimes like it was blinding okay how blinding was it like did you not see for like a couple minutes because it was that bright if that was the case either someone had like one of those you know 5,000 candle watt lights Mm -hmm. that are shooting directly at you, uh, or it was some sort of entity. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right, the energy, that would take a lot, most times when we have ghosts, it's kind of a dimly lit, but visible thing, you know, you can see it. Right. But it's very difficult to actually say, uh, you know, it was blinding.
1: Either way, it'd be terrifying if you're just going about your job at night and then that yeah. happens.
0: And if you're kind of by yourself and you know the history, mm-hmm. that I mean, just psychologically continuing that job would be very difficult. Yeah. So don't, I,
1: I don't blame him at no, all.
0: No, not one bit. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want to keep our show on the air, please consider becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get all the bonus episodes sent directly to you. Uh, And, of course, a brand-new one every single week. So uh, please do that and help keep the show afloat. TJ writes in, hello, my name's TJ. I'm uh, from uh, Beckley, West Virginia. Not sure exactly where this experience took place, but I know it was in the newer River Valley area in West Virginia. My father was a job hopper, and we moved very often. I was three when all this started and five when it finally ended at the time. I have some experiences I remember and some my mother had told me years later when I was a teen. I remember one morning waking up as a kid and looking out my window and seeing what I could only describe as a witch. It was dark, had a pointy head, glowing red eyes, looked more 2D than 3D. It rushed me and got very close to me, moving through the wall. I screamed my head off and ran to my parents' room, screaming, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy! I remember seeing my parents naked, but... As an innocent two-year-old, didn't think anything of this. To this day, I'm not sure what was more disturbing, remembering the witch or my naked parents. The other was during the same time period we lived besides the creek. My mother told me to never go near it. On many occasions, even after we moved, I remembered a giant old man trying to get me to cross the creek. In the next house, we moved to would only simply tried to get me to come to it. I was a smart cookie and knew not to listen to it. I'm still grateful to my mom for instructing me to never talk to strangers or to never wander too far from the house. I do have some knowledge of the occult and of biblical history, and I do believe that this entity was a demon, specifically the spirit of a Nephilim, a half-demon, half-human giant from the times of Noah, looking to kill me so so it could feed on the death energy. Demons find the energy of children to be, for lack of a better word, tastier. In the same house, I remember some relatives were visiting. There was a truck cap lying on the ground. I remember my drunken grandpa telling me to get out from under there or I'd suffocate. Having too much fun, I ignored him. Turned around and saw a little African-American boy smiling at me. Not anything creepy like. I turned as my grandpa got up and then looked back to see that the little African-American boy disappeared. Again, being an innocent child, I thought nothing of this the next instance I do not remember, but my mom told me years later. This may have been the same day, but me and my mom never really worked out the details. There was family over and everyone was inside. I was outside playing with my mom watching me. She called me to come inside and had asked me who I was talking to. I had told her, everyone, an African-American boy. Remember that this is southern West Virginia, high in the mountains, and no one would take offense to those words. Apparently, everyone was staring at me, and my mom, like we, were ghosts. Story goes that about 10 to 15 years earlier, a little African-American boy around my age had been run over and died some way up the road from where we lived. My mother told me years later that there was something wrong with the house. My parents used to hear scratching noises under the house. There was no basement, just a crawl space. And while this was happening, my dad would go outside and crawl under to see what it was. But he never saw anything. As a side note, I'd like to express what I think ghosts really are. The basic thesis is this. Demons are beings that are completely opposite of humans. So much so that they have no ability to even create original ideas, concepts, or things. They can only mimic or distort something that already exists. They're a force that create and feed off energy of any kind. I believe that there are no such things as human ghosts, that there are only demons mimicking dead humans so flawlessly that they can even copy the mannerisms, memories, voices of said human. Anything to get as close to you as they can feed off of any emotion they can get out of you. The reason why some do this and others don't is still something I'm not sure about, but I guess... Uh, but I can only guess that uh, it is only a personal preference or that they go back and forth from mimicking to just being themselves on a case-by-case basis. Sorry for that long theory, and I would not blame you for skipping over it. I love listening to you guys' show. I listen to it almost every day after work on YouTube while playing Minecraft or playing guitar. I'm sorry, but that's the only paranormal story I have for you. wish you guys all the success with your podcast and hope it reaches beyond the stars. Thanks and God bless.
1: Okay. I think it's okay for everybody to have their opinion. Sure. And the reason that we do the show is because nobody truly knows the Mm -hmm. answer to any of these questions. So, I mean, that's all we do is sit around and speculate anyway. So one day we'll find out what it is that these things are. You know, but right now it's just fun to sit back and talk about them.
0: Yeah, I totally respect anybody's opinion. It's an interesting thing because when we talk about the show with anyone who you know has an opinion on ghosts, and usually the first thing is, "Well, I believe in ghosts," but here's what I think. And it's it's usually it's, it's something I don't want to say necessarily along those lines that that was just said to us. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but it's usually a fairly narrow focused mm-hmm. response. And I say, you know, I kind of thought that too, like when I started doing the show or something like that, where it was just kind of like somewhat narrow. Um, But after doing the show for so long, the more we hear, the more stories we get in, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same way too, that have listened to the show for any period of time. The more questions I have yeah, and the less I feel I know um, about certainty on the subject. Which is an interesting thing, because I feel I know much more about the subject now than probably the average person, just because of what we do, um, or than I, I, I knew beforehand. But I, I know more, but I feel less certain about what I know. It's more so there's all these other possibilities, not so much this is all there is. Yeah. makes sense?
1: It does make sense. And the fact that we're able to connect with people around the world and get their experiences mm-hmm. and find out, okay, there's you know, a, you know, there's commonality between things that are going on. Sure. And you can almost kind of divide them up into different types. But again, it leaves more questions than answers.
0: It does. It, it really does. And, and it's still, I mean, I'm sure we will always get this where it's like, oh, here's another category to add to this subcategory or, you know. Yeah. It, it, it just keeps going. Really interesting someday to like kind of make a an outline. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Is it a shadow? Yes or no. And then you follow the arrows. Yeah.
0: It's like one <laughs> of those. And it just keeps going. It turns this giant, like, ghost family tree.
1: I bet one of our listeners will come up with one of those for us.
0: It'd be a fun thing to make and, like, put on a big canvas and put on the wall. <laughs> that would be. It's like, or like, it's like the ghost periodic table. <laughs> Something <laughs> like, well, if you have mix of this one and this one, you get this one, you know be interesting that would be samantha writes in hello jenny and tony i called in a few weeks ago with a story about my dad where i changed the names in it to pet names glad you guys liked it afterwards i was thinking about other things that have happened in my life and talked to my mother and brother about them and they told me about things that happened to them too over the years during these conversations it occurred to me that my dad seemed to be a common link to most of the stories it makes me wonder if he's not some sort of draw for paranormal things, and if maybe that is why he's an alcoholic. It seems like after the hand incident he had, which apparently happened here in, uh, I'm going to screw up the name of this city, Elma Gordo. is that right? Elma uh, Gordo? Maybe uh, I did it right.
1: Alamogordo.
0: Alamogordo, New Mexico, where I'm living now by sheer coincidence. His behavior changed, and he spent his teenage years being a rebel, drinking, racing, staying out all night. And... Even fist fighting with his dad.
1: Do you He's, remember the original story?
0: Uh, I don't, I remember the pet names, but that's okay. kind of it.
1: He saw like an, a disembodied hand that was just like crawling across the floor. Okay. okay. And it was very creepy. Um, and I'm not sure. He went and told somebody in his family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was an uncle or a grandfather. Anyway, I got all confused because of the pet names. Thank you very much. <laughs> But that's the gist of it.
0: No more pet names. It was fun for like one episode, but his behavior got so bad. He was given the choice to either join the army or live in the streets. Fast forward a few years. He's married to my mother now. He has three kids. We're living in Oklahoma city in a two story house. Now, what I didn't know or didn't remember was that in that house, my mother would often see a shadowy figure in her bedroom upstairs. She described him as a tall man in a hat that was pitch black and would just stand in different parts of her room and stare at her and my dad in the bed. She told my dad and he would ignore it and get upset if she tried to press the issue. At around the same time that was happening, we had gone to my grandparents' house to stay the night during the holidays. My grandmother's house has a backwards L-shaped hallway and from there, I was lying in the guest room could see down the short part to the living room where my parents and grandparents were watching the news and talking. I've always had a problem going to sleep, even when I was younger. So I was lying there next to my brother and sister in the old queen-sized bed on the edge, listening to the adults. From down the long section of hall, a dark figure suddenly stepped into the doorway of the room. I couldn't see through it, and it took up most of the doorway. Then it seemed like a smaller figure either dropped off him somewhere or peered out of him and it was just as dark, but about half the size. I remember being so scared that I was frozen, like a frozen rock in my stomach feeling. The smaller creature walked to the edge of the bed to me and then touched my hand. That's when I broke the local decibel levels with a shriek only a five-year-old girl seems to be able to make. My parents and grandparents came running, and the figures were just gone. My parents called me and got us kids to go back to sleep. Fast forward to me being around 14 years old and sitting with my dad on the tailgate of his truck, listening to the radio and talking one summer night. We did this often in the summer, talking about whatever, singing with the radio. That night we got on the topic of ghosts, and I told him about the creatures I saw that night. At the time I knew about the hand he saw, but not the shadow my mother saw. He went white and looked uncomfortable when I told him what they looked like to me. After I was done, he said he had seen them too. He told me that when he was a teenager, after his family had moved away from the house in New Mexico and to Oklahoma, he woke up one night and saw several small shadowy figures standing around his bed watching him. There was one large shadow blocking the door. He said he just curled into a ball and covered his head with a blanket. He said he doesn't know how long they stayed, but he woke up in the same position. I'm really wondering if my dad drinks now as a result of being followed by something or if that's maybe why it started and then just seemed easier to him. I'm not sure. After hearing my mother's story, I can't help but feel that way. Anyway, I'd love to hear your opinions on this. Keep up the good work, guys. Sam.
1: I could see the drinking starting out as a way to escape some of these things, but then that can also make it worse, too.
0: It it can. I mean, it's a depressant. It's going to put you in just essentially put you more into a depressive state and, and probably open you up even more to these sort of things.
1: And so it becomes a vicious cycle.
0: Yeah, and then trying to escape it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's a difficult one to say, you know, where the cart comes before the horse or whatever, but I could see it being a contributing factor Sure. to what's going on with him. Um, very interesting story, though. I, I I hope he's, he's able to find some sort of peace at some point to to stop being followed by these things. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's disturbing. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. We would absolutely love to hear it. Of course, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, get all the shows sent directly to you. Uh, as they are released, uh, and plus you can check out our uh, our archived episodes as well. Let's go to uh, Jenny. Hi,
2: hi Tony and Jenny. This is Jenny again. I've called it a few times. Um, I just wanted to tell a quick story. Uh, I went to a college in uh, West Texas. Uh, well, actually, it was North uh, Texas. The name of it was uh, West Texas A and M, and I lived in a in a dorm. Stafford, uh, and uh, I, there was lots of, of occurrences that would happen at Stafford. Um, there was, you know, shadows and, and sounds, stuff like that, and um, at night, I would be working on, like, English papers or something, and I would hear an electrical snap above my head, and I could, like, hear it zap across the room, and then the button on my door that was locked would automatically pop out. The handle wouldn't turn, there would nobody, nobody would be on the other side of the door, just the button would pop out. Um, and uh, one night in particular, I was going to try to make this short so that it doesn't go on and on, but one night in particular, my friends and I uh, were talking about the place being haunted and we decided to go upstairs because there was like an upstairs area right above our hall and um, we went upstairs and it was dark. And we felt a presence and we were charging forward down the hall and it was a lightning storm uh, going on outside and we got to the end of the hall and it lightning
0: and I was the only
2: one that was brave enough to keep walking towards the end of the hall and all of a sudden all the hairs in my arms stood up and I was not able to take another step and I looked at the window, so there was a window at the end of the hall and, and light and I saw a shadow on the floor, not in the window, but on the floor of a person. And I could, like I said, I couldn't take another step forward. And my friends were behind me. They had all stopped and they were looking at me and I turned around. That was the only thing I could do was turn around and took off running. Well, we went back to our hall. And we were down there in the dark, and we were setting it underneath where we had seen the figure only on, on, you know, on the bottom floor, right underneath it. And uh, I was like, I'm not, a, I'm not really a religious person at all. So uh, this was a shock But I, to my friends, but I suggested that we pray because of the situation that we had just been in. It was really scary. So we sat around in a circle, the three of us, and we started to pray. Well, all of a sudden, my friend Monica... She got extremely, extremely dark feeling. Like, like she was like, she looked at us, you know, and she was, had her eyebrows furrowed at us, and, and she was acting really strange. So uh, she let go of us because we were holding hands in, in our little triangle, and she backed up against the wall because so we were in the hallway because it was like a, like an enclosure, like hallway, you know, there was doors on either side. And she backed up against the wall of the hallway, and really got introverted and curled up into a, like, field position and was just sitting there. And then she sat up straight and was, had her, you know, had her, her legs tucked up underneath her chin and she had her arms wrapped around her. Well, I get close to her to try to calm her down, and she looks up at me with eyes that were obviously not Monica. And Monica is not a strong person. She's not, you know, she's not very strong at all, and I, and she's like five. Whereas I'm nearly six foot tall. And she lunges at me and wraps her hands around my neck. And she is like, I mean, she doesn't say anything. She just looks directly at me and is trying to choke me. And finally, my friend Atlanta is her name. Sorry, her mom was a hippie. <laughs> Atlanta grabbed a hold of Monica and pulled her off me. And um, I mean, we, we just kind of sit there and we're like, what the heck just happened? You know, we, we were freaked. And and um so we talked about it for a little bit. Lena and I talked about it for a little bit and Monica kinda regained her consciousness and she's like, well, what's going on? What happened? Why am I you know, why am I laying on the floor? What is what's going on? And we told her what's going on and she just burst in tears. And she's like, I just I just felt I just felt darkness, I just felt pain, I don't know what happened. And um, so needless to say, that night, the three of us, we, we grabbed our, we all had twin-size beds, and we grabbed um, all of the top mattresses of our twin-size beds, and we had a slumber party in our dorm, <laughs> or in my dorm, actually, um, and we, we wouldn't leave each other's side for anything, and um, we vowed we wouldn't talk about it. That way, we could sleep in our home dorms again which took about a week before we could do that but we had like basically a huge slumber party every every night so um anyway uh i have a few more stories from from the college um but i'll see them for another time um like i said uh, have a great day and thanks for doing what you do and and uh don't uh don't be too cold there in kansas <laughs> bye I
1: think simply something took over Atlanta.
0: That's disturbing.
1: It is very disturbing.
0: It, it, I, I never like stories like, I mean, I like the stories like that in a sick way, but I it's disturbing to think about, you know, someone is really calm. They're just kind of hanging out. And then all of a sudden something like that happens. And it's just completely uncharacteristic of them. I feel bad for the person who, once they snap out of it, you know typically someone who's kind of quiet and more reserved like that, they're also going to be like one of the more guilty feeling people and mm-hmm. you know, sensitive to it. So when they snap on of it, they're like, Oh my God, no, that really wasn't me. And then they're going to feel forever bad.
1: Or wonder exactly what happened. Are my friends telling me what really happened or did something
0: else happen? Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting story. Thank you for sharing that with us here at, uh, at real ghost stories. Online. That would just be terrifying. Uh, eight five five. 853 4802. That's our phone number here to call into the show and share your real ghost story with us. We would love to hear it. Of course, you can also uh, write it on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you're finding that you enjoy the show and you have a desire for it to continue into the future, well, please consider becoming an EPP that's an extra podcast person. You get a bonus episode of the show every single week, access to our archive of episodes. Um, and uh, overall, the good feeling of knowing you're keeping the show alive. It's only five bucks a month, or you can sign up for a full year at a time. It's completely up to you how you want to do it. Uh, but uh, we thank in advance for helping to uh, keep the show going. You can do it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Brewski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.